In fact, I didn't tell you this morning, I saw a guy ride up on his bicycle and go into one of the little bathrooms and he still hasn't come out. Yeah, he's probably taking a nap in there. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Did he take his bicycle in there with (laughs) him? Yes, he did. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't come out and didn't come out. And when I went into the little bathroom next to him, I could hear the water running for a really long time. (laughs) So I think maybe he was doing a sponge bath. Well, now he's scared because he knows there's a creepy lady (laughs) in the bathroom next to him. (laughs) You need to (laughs) not be so concerned about what's going on in the bathroom. Just go do your business and come back. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're coming to you from Dead Horse Point State Park in Utah. Dead Horse Point is one of the most beautiful state parks in the country. And as a bonus, they have nine yurts that you can rent. We've been wanting to stay in one of these yurts for a long time. And after we lucked out in getting a reservation for one night during our trip to Utah, we thought it would be fun to do our podcast from the yurt. In this episode, we'll tell you all about Dead Horse Point State Park, the yurt experience, and also what it was like to drive the famous Schaefer Trail that runs below Dead Horse Point. That's right. I I think I've recovered from that, but I'm not sure. It's been a wonderful experience, and the only thing I regret is not renting this year for more than one night. Right. We should have stayed here for at least a couple of nights. Or or maybe a month. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's a fantastic spot. Good morning from our yurt number two in Dead Horse Point State Park. Maybe we shouldn't tell people which yurt we rented. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going to leave it spotless. Okay, okay, good. (laughs) Blueberry muffin crumbs on the floor right now. (laughs) Have to get those up. Yes, yes, we do. We have some cleaning to do. Matt, you look a little chilly this morning. You have your coat on and your hat. (laughs) I am a little chilly in here. They have a unit on the wall that's both a heater and a cooler. I don't know what they call this. Maybe a heat pump. I think it is a heat pump. Yeah. Uh, But they tell you, don't set it above 62 degrees, (laughs) which means given this yurt has a high ceiling, that means down here where we're sitting is probably, I don't know, 50s, which is not too bad. No, (laughs) but I might put my gloves on. (laughs) There's also kind of an echo hint. So Uh if the audio sounds different than our usual podcast, because we are on location, we are in the yurt. (laughs) And if you hear... Uh, car noises outside or people loading their car next to us, that's because we are on location. So today is our what? Our third full day of our Utah trip? Yep. Third day. We took two days to drive down here to Utah. And then we got to Moab on Monday late afternoon. And even though it's mid-March, it's like 71 degrees in Moab. Yeah, on Monday it was. It was yeah. time to get out the flip-flops that I brought and uh, and the sunscreen and the sunglasses. It was a perfect time to go to Arches for the sunset. I know. It did get a little cool as the sun sat. <laughs> as the sun went down, it got cool quick, so we had to 
pick up our lawn chairs and get out of there. But yeah, I think we've packed one of everything in the in the truck, right? We have down jackets and hats and gloves and we have two of most of everything. Yes, because you never know what it's gonna be like uh, here in March. So that's what we did when we first got to uh, Moab, like we always do. But the next day, then two days ago, we went back to Arches so we could do our favorite hike, which is the Devil's Garden Primitive Trail Loop. I like that trail. I do too. And we we started early enough that, gosh, there was hardly anybody there. There were like six cars in that parking lot, which you never see. Yeah, that's it's good to get an early start. It is. Even kind of in the off season, which... I used to think of March as the off season, but it's not really. Not anymore. It's not. And when we were done with the hike and we got back out to the parking lot, it was it was already a zoo. There were, I mean, it was practically completely full by then. Yep. And then later that day, uh, we did something we've never done before. We explored the Fisher Tower area, which is what about twenty miles east of Moab. Yeah, I think it's just past the twenty-one mile marker. That was really cool, That's wasn't beautiful. it? Yeah, beautiful back there. Great little trail we did. We were running out of daylight, so we didn't get to do the whole trail. But uh, yeah, that's pretty. We'll have to go back there and hike more in that area. Yeah, it was fun to watch. That's a place where um, rock climbers do their thing. They they climb those tall, skinny towers of Fisher Towers. And there were a couple guys out there. Well, actually, I'm not sure if they were guys. Were they guys? <laughs> well, they, I don't I don't know either, but they were up pretty high and the sun was kind of coming down. So I don't know, maybe they can repel pretty quickly off those towers, but uh, they were running out of daylight. Yeah. Also looked like a storm was coming in too. I was a little worried for them. I'm sure they're fine. And after we're done here, we're going to go to Monticello. We keep calling it Monticello, but they, <laughs> they pronounce it Monticello. And we're going to meet up with some friends, Craig and Aya. We're going to spend the rest of our trip with them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the tomorrow we're going to try to do Druid Arching in the Needles District of Canyonland. We've always wanted to do this hike. We we keep going back to the Needles District. We go to Chesler Park and that joint trail, which is beautiful, but uh, people have told us about the Druid Arch. So we're going to try that. Yeah. If you look at like all trails and look at the at the rankings, it's the number two hike in the Needles District. So, and I've seen some photos. It really looks spectacular. Yeah, it does. And then on Saturday, I'm excited for this. Craig bought permits for us to hike to Moonhouse Ruins in Bears Ears. Now they only issue 20 permits per day. I guess it's a very fragile area. And getting out there, according to Craig, involves some primitive dirt roads. I think he said you go down and up several different canyons and then you park and hike into these ruins. Yeah, I know Craig is going to be itching to get the trucks off the road and <laughs> do some dirt roads and some difficult rocky areas. That's Are you worried about that? No, he, but he, I think he likes to get stuck. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If we get stuck, he can pull us out right. and we, we can practice pulling each other right. out. Yeah. So that, that'll be fun. We'll learn what I'll learn what my truck can do. That's right. Uh, we might have to do that too on our, on the next thing that we're doing when we head over towards Page, Arizona. Right. You have had on your list for a long time to go to Alstrom Point. So the plan is to drive out there and that's that's quite a ways on dirt and rocky roads, even some slick rocks scrambling with the trucks I hear. And <laughs> the, so the plan is to get out to Alstrom Point and camp one night 
Right. And that is in Glen Canyon National Recreation Area. So, yeah, this is something we've never done before. I I don't really know what to expect. I don't know if there'll be other people out there camping with us, but I've seen photos of this view of Alstrom Point, this Lake Powell view, and it is spectacular. So I I know you threw pretty much all of our camping gear in the truck, didn't you? (laughs) Pretty much all of it. It's The truck is filled with just about everything we need. Can't find any of it. (laughs) But it's in there. It's in there somewhere. (laughs) And then a maybe on our list is uh, we might go to White Pocket, depending on how the rest of the week goes. That has also been on my list for a long time, going out to White Pocket. I know it's a long drive and... Ideally, I'd like to camp out there, too, so we could watch the sunset and the sunrise. But, yeah, that that remains to be seen if we make it out to White Pocket. That's going to be a long drive for me to take you out there, drop you off, (laughs) let you spend the night and then come back and get you the next day. (laughs) Oh, is that your plan? (laughs) (laughs) Well, depending on the forecast, it could be. It could be a little nippy or snowy also, yeah. or both. Right. Now that you mentioned the forecast, I hate to say this, but the weather app on my phone is showing the temperatures dropping down into the 30s this week during the day. And there also has the little snowflake pictures. So, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back and get you. <laughs> Do you have an alternative plan? (laughs) I I don't have an alternative plan yet, but we might have to make a plan B or possibly C and D. I don't know. But what do you think? So would we go ahead and camp on the rim of Lake Powell if it's snowing? No. (laughs) (laughs) If it's snowing. (laughs) My dream will be dashed is what you're Uh, saying. Well, no, I wouldn't mind camping in the snow. It's it depends on how rough the road is going out. If there if it's pretty rough, I'm not sure I want to come back on that road if it has a coating of ice or, and or snow on it. So we'll see. I guess that would make it hard to see the rocks sticking up and, and the potential uh, craters in the road. So, yeah. All right. But we didn't mention what we did yesterday before we got to Dead Horse Point State Park. That's right. Well, let's talk about that, Matt. How did we get to Dead Horse Point State Park? Well, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) We left our comfortable hotel room in Moab and we drove to Canyonlands National Park. It's adjacent to Dead Horse Point State Park. But we got here on the Schaefer Trail. Mm-hmm. The Schaefer Trail. I think my blood pressure has just now finally stabilized from that little trip. <laughs> you were more nervous than I thought you would. I was more nervous than I thought I would be, too. Definitely more nervous. I'm not sure why. I think it was a combination of a lot of things. But let's start at the beginning. If people don't know what the Schaefer Trail is... It connects Moab, Utah to Canyonlands National Park. We only learned about the Schaefer Trail recently, and then we looked it up, and then as soon as we saw it, we we had to do it. There are several off-road trails in this area. There's the Schaefer Trail. There's the White Rim Trail that's all in Canyonlands National Park. And I always thought that you needed a Jeep with off-road skills, although the Schaefer Trail... You know, if you have the right vehicle, anyone can do it. Yes, and but that's key if you have the right vehicle. So Schaefer Canyon, if you're standing on the rim of Canyonlands National Park looking down, 
into Schaefer Canyon. It drops 1,400 feet uh, in a series of switchbacks. So just standing at the top and looking down, it looks really intimidating. And you can see it from both (laughs) Canyonlands National Park. So if you're on the what the east side you come into the island in the sky section of canyonlands and you drive just not very far maybe a mile it's off to you know driving south it's off to your left or to the east that's the canyon you're looking at and then also dead horse point state park if you're looking south from those lookouts that's the canyon you're looking at Schaefer canyon And you can see this road from both of those lookouts. That's right. And I remember years ago when we first visited, looking down on that road and wondering what it is, because, yeah, you can see it for miles. And then we found out that that's the Schaefer Trail. (laughs) Why the heck would anyone build a road down there? Well, Matt, I'm glad you asked because I... I did find some information. Um, actually, it was on one of the park signs at the Overlook. And it said that Native Americans have been using this route for a long time to travel from the rim of Canyonlands. Of course, it wasn't Canyonlands back then, down to the Colorado River. And then in the early 1900s, ranchers drove livestock on it. But at that time, it was narrower and much more rugged. And it said on the sign that animals slipped to their death which is horrible to think about. So they were uh, herding animals down into the canyon. Some of them are slipping off the cliffs to their death. And then they thought, hey, this would be a great place to put a road. That's right. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's horrible. And it, and it's scary when you look at it. Now, after that, in the 1950s, there was a uranium boom, and that also changed the landscape there. Um, the Schaefer Trail was upgraded to accommodate trucks that were hauling mining equipment and ore. And then after Canyonlands became a national park in 1964, that entire era of ranching and mining came to a close. And now it's just for people who want to have a little adventure and and take a drive down those uh, crazy looking switchbacks. The mining equipment and trucks that they must have had, they they must have been much smaller than mining equipment today because those switchbacks were pretty tight turns. You, You couldn't get a big modern truck to take those turns. Matter of fact, when we were coming up, and I'm sure this it was a little exaggerated by our anxiety, but there were a couple of them where I felt like I maybe needed to do a two-point turn to get around the switchbacks. And we were, we were just in a forerunner. I know. That was uh, – it was a little dicey. Now, you can drive the Schaefer Trail in either direction, up or down. We decided to drive it from bottom up because we were on our way to Dead Horse Point State Park and we had been staying in Moab. So the way that works is you drive out on Potash Road out of Moab for I'm not sure how many miles the paved section is. Do you remember, Matt? I don't know. It it seemed like maybe five miles. It's a kind of a winding road. When you're coming out of Moab going north, it's the first left big left-hand turn and Mm -hmm. and it's marked Potash. You can't make a wrong turn because you're taking this paved road all the way until it ends. Right. So you don't have to turn off of it. And then it it just turns into gravel. And there's a big sign there that announces the Schaefer Trail Mm -hmm. and gives you information about it. So you can't, once you're on that potash road, you can't miss it. And from that point, when the pavement ends and the gravel starts, the, the sign says you have 19 miles to go up to the rim of the Grand 
the Grand Canyon. The Grand Canyon. To the we're rim. in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it felt like it, didn't it? Yes. Up to the rim of Canyonlands, up to the visitor center. So 19 miles. And I have to say, I actually thought that the unpaved section of Potash Road was a lot rougher than the Schaefer Trail switchbacks. Right. There were a couple of spots there where it was washed out. And so our forerunner, it has nine and a half inches of clearance. And that was about what we needed to, <laughs> to get through some of those areas with rocks sticking out of the ground. And you can tell that the trail has been carved out on purpose by road machines because you can see it's it's been grinded down. And, yeah, there are a couple of spots where you really have to be careful where you put your wheels so that you don't bottom out. I know. And we got to a point where the road takes you right next to the Colorado River. And it provided some incredible overlooks of the river. And I know you got out and took some some photos. But it also provided some really sketchy <laughs> drop-offs along the side of the road. You wouldn't get out of the truck a couple of those spots. No, I, it was uh, – <laughs> my stomach I, was doing flip-flops. Yeah, and, and sometimes you'll get to overlooks and, you know, it looks like you're standing on the edge of the cliff. But really when you're looking at it, there's, you know, there's a two-foot drop and another two-foot drop. Mm -hmm. And it's really not that dangerous. Some of these drop-offs that we went to, the next step was a 1,000 feet down. Yeah, it, you got to be careful as to where you are. But it – we did have some spectacular views of the Colorado River below because the canyon itself is still pretty far above the river in many places. Right. I think the scariest part of the whole trip for me was one section where the road was only the width of our truck. On one side, on the right side, there was a cliff face right next to the truck. And on the other side, at the edge of our wheels, was a thousand foot drop off. That's how wide the road was. And it was extremely rutted and bumpy and there were rocks sticking up. Yeah, there, there was no place. Usually on a rough road like that, you have you have enough room to kind of choose where you want to put your tires so that you you know, you don't bottom out this. There really weren't any choices. You had to stay on the path and it required just about how much clearance we had on that truck. This is also the reason why they tell you do not do the Schaefer Trail. Do not drive it when it's wet, because there's a couple of spots where if you were to lose traction and slide it all, it would be bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> it would be it would be horrific. Yeah, and so we were fortunate that it was dry. Mm -hmm. Actually perfect conditions. And we were pretty confident in our truck because it had pretty aggressive tires and the tires were fairly new. That said, people come through there every now and then you'll just see a regular sedan. And uh, I I don't recommend people no, doing that, but do uh, not every do now that. and then you see that. Yeah. And the other thing, too, we came to a wash and there were some fairly large puddles that we had to cross. So if if it had rained, you know, more in the past, that could have that could have been a fairly big water crossing. I'm not sure. Well, you have to be able to see the bottom or have a, a good sense that, you know, one tire is on dry ground, the other one's in the water and a sense of how deep that water was. Uh, so we never came to a spot where we had to put all four tires in the water at the same time and not know how deep it was. So thankfully, we got through that okay. But then we came to the junction of uh, the Schaefer Canyon Road and the White Rim and then you you make a right turn to head up the Schaefer switchbacks to the top. But 
before we got there. Yeah, right before we got to that spot, we saw a truck parked diagonally right in the middle of the road. Didn't know what, thought he maybe had car trouble. Then we see a woman lying in the middle of the road on her back. What had happened was husband and wife were driving the trail. From what we can tell, she was mountain biking and maybe he was following behind. He was driving the support vehicle. Well, she had fallen off her bike somehow, Mm -hmm. and she was lying in the road. She was hurt pretty bad, or at least in a lot of pain. He thought that she had broken ribs. Her lower uh, extremities, her legs and and feet were moving, so he didn't Mm -hmm. think it was spinal, but he didn't know. Right. uh, And didn't want to move her, so... And she was conscious. She was conscious. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he... He asked us to get to the top as quickly as we could safely and uh, tell the rangers and have them send an ambulance. Yeah, it was kind of a helpless feeling because seeing her seeing her lying in the middle of the road, you know, we asked, can we do you need blankets? Do you need water? Do you need? And he said, no, what I need you to do is just please, please get up to the top as quickly as you can and and get a ranger and get an ambulance. So, yeah, that's what we did. But gosh, my heart, I, I just felt so sick for this woman. I. Anyway, so you maneuvered your way up those switchbacks. So we did go up the switchbacks, (laughs) trying to go quickly, but you you Mm got to be careful on those. And as we were going up the switchbacks, maybe it was the time of day. It was just before noon when we hit that spot. A lot of people coming down on mountain bikes. Yeah. And and so it looks like there were tours where there would be a group of four to six people on mountain bikes and then a support vehicle following. So it's clearly you sign up for a tour. They provide the bikes and helmets and all of that. You ride down the Schaefer Trail and they follow. I did not even know that was a thing. I was surprised how many people were doing that. Can you you imagine? Would you even think about doing that? Um. Probably not. Oh, I'm so uncoordinated on a bike. I could just see myself taking a tumble and yeah, going you, right you, over the edge. Yeah, you want to have confidence in your biking skills <laughs> if you're going to do something like that. Definitely, yes. I was feeling a little um, unsettled on the way up. Every time you made a switchback turn and I was looking down right on the edge, I I had to close my eyes because, I don't know, it, it bothered me more than I thought it would. Luckily, you didn't close your eyes. <laughs> but I would still say that it was it was worth doing. I could see us doing it again someday. Mm-hmm. We don't want to scare people off, but you should have, you should have a healthy concern or take precautions when you're driving that trail. But yeah. you can do it if you're paying attention and the conditions are good, which means dry. Yes. Uh, we had we had a comment on one of our Instagram posts when we posted about Canyonlands and a woman had said that it was the scariest thing that she and her husband ever did driving the Schaefer Trail. But then she proceeded to say that they did it at night. Yeah, don't do it at night. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're going to want to see what's in front of your car for sure. Um, Well, we we got to the top. We were fine. You you started breathing again. (laughs) That's right. We got to the rangers, told them they scurried about, closed the road for a little bit. I'm not sure if a helicopter came to provide her assistance or an ambulance. I don't know where an ambulance would come from. I don't either. Because if you take an ambulance either from Moab or from the top down, that that would be a, a sketchy drive. Anyway... So hopefully she was fine. Yes, hopefully so. The the rangers were on it within literally after we reported it, we saw them flying by in their trucks with their uh, lights flashing. And so I'm sure they took good care of yeah, her. Yeah, they got to her mm-hmm. as quickly as we could. But anyway, you, you had said earlier, the whole reason we were going up that Schaefer Trail was to 
We wanted to see uh, Canyonlands National Park, but the main event is is was staying here in a yurt. That's right. And so we wanted to come up here and do some hiking, check into the yurt, have the yurt experience. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So if you don't know where or what Dead Horse Point State Park is, it's about 30 miles southwest of Moab. Uh, and again, it's adjacent to Canyonlands National Park. It was It's a beautiful area here. And like you said, it's 2,000 feet above the Colorado River. So on the edges and the lookouts, and there's plenty of those, it's a spectacular view of the Colorado River below. You've probably seen photos from Dead Horse Point State Park, and maybe you just didn't know that that's where the photo was taken. But the view from the top, from the rim looking down, is one of the most photographed vistas in the entire world. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it is a very popular place to see the sunset. Uh, it's also a very popular place to see sunrise because from these points, there are areas where you have more than 180 degree views. So you can see the east and the west. And so you get a great views of the, of the sunrise and sunset. I guess you could describe Dead Horse Point as what, like a little peninsula that right. sticks out. It's an interesting story about how Dead Horse Point got its name. Why is it called Dead Horse Point? Yeah, it's an unfortunate story, but you can understand it better when you're at the park. What happened was back in the late 1800s, cowboys would come to this area and they would corral wild horses. They would drive them essentially to this peninsula on the top of the, the mesa. And at one point, there is a neck of the peninsula that is only 30 yards wide, so less than 100 feet wide. They could barricade those horses in. They would pile up branches and sticks and essentially make a wooden barricade across this 30-yard section. And so now the, the wild horses were were trapped. And then they had plenty of time to go in and get the horses and, and take them out. Well, this was a practice in this area. I guess one point in time, they drove the horses out there, they barricaded them. And for whatever reason, I don't think anyone really knows why, they didn't come back to get the horses. And those horses died of, of dehydration because there's no source of water out there. And so that being the place where these horses died, it became known as Dead Horse Point. And so back in, in the 1950s, when they made it a state park, that's that's how the name came about. Yeah, it's such a, a tragic story uh, and a, a tragic name for such a beautiful state park. I, I don't know. I think that when it became a state park, they might have been able to think of something just a little more. Um, a little more cheerful, a little... But don't let the name um, scare you off. It is a spectacular area. It's w one of the best state parks we've been to and uh, certainly worth a visit if you're in the Moab area or if you're out visiting the island in the sky section of Canyonlands National Park. That's right. But our reason, like we said, is we rented a yurt. Yes, and we had booked it about... 
gosh, maybe six weeks prior to our visit. Now, I know these yurts are very popular and they sell out quickly. I think we were lucky and got a cancellation maybe, or perhaps we're just a little early in the season before the crowds hit. But uh, the section that we stayed in is called Mo and Kopi, and there are five yurts here. Uh, each year it costs $140 a night to rent. Yeah, so that's not super cheap, but it also sleeps six people. Mm-hmm. And there there is enough room in here to sleep six. Just one thing is pets are not allowed That's right. Uh, in these. But the yurt is very spacious, super clean on the inside. I was surprised because one of the things is you're – you need to clean up after yourself, but we did notice because we got here a little bit earlier before check-in time that there was an employee from the Department of Natural Resources doing some more spot cleaning. So don't mm-hmm. rely on them cleaning up after you. Uh, I think it was more sanitation. After the person who was cleaning, after he left and we unloaded our stuff and came in and got to see the yurt for the first time, I I knew I would love it and I loved it and I would like to have one of these in our backyard. <laughs> Yeah, we could put one of these in our backyard. I think you could build it yourself, Matt. It looks like a fairly simple structure if you look it, at it. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the entire structure on the inside, and mm-hmm. I would not describe this as simple. <laughs> there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, woodwork and very highly engineered beams and stuff, but it, it's very simple on the inside. It is. One thing I love about it is, so it, it resembles, if you haven't seen a year before, it sort of resembles a circus tent a little bit, only it's not pointed at the top. It has a... Um, That's a nice skylight. At the top. Yes, I believe that. So you can see the stars at night. I tried, uh, I uh, tested that last night in the middle of the night. I did not wake you up. Well, I don't know because I went outside and it was cloudy. So I, but I think you could see the stars through that. I think you could too. Or skylight. Mm -hmm. So when you come in, in the middle of the yurt is a table and six chairs. And then to one side is a pullout futon that sleeps two people if you would like it to. And then on the other side is a very large set of bunk beds. Yeah, super large. The bottom bunk. I think that's a queen. I think it is too. Queen size. It's and the big. top bunk is a double. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when we will rent forest service cabins and we know that there's there's beds and bunk beds, usually what happens in, in these places is they have a pretty industrial strength mattress cover, plastic rubberized mat, uh, mattress cover over the mattresses. And then you bring your own bedding. Mm-hmm. And, and I am surprised at how comfortable those mattresses were. They were great. I slept on the top and it was very cozy up there. A little, um, a little treacherous climbing up and down the ladder in the middle of the night. But I also think it was warmer up there because you know how the heat rises and I was cozy up there. Yeah, it was a little cooler down mm-hmm. below. Uh, down below probably was... In the mid 50s at night. So, very windy night last night. I thought the yurt was going to blow away, but um, it, it held up just fine. So, a little bit of air coming through, but 
but not much. It's pretty tight. Yeah. And it has um, what looks like hardwood floors. I, I'm sure they're engineered hardwood floors, but that that's what the uh, flooring is. We were so happy to see that um, there is electricity in here. So there are outlets. You can charge your devices. There There is a lamp. So really almost all the comforts of home except. Except. <laughs> well, there's no running water. Uh, there's, no, there's no bathroom. But the bathroom that's uh, adjacent to the, the gravel parking lot uh, was fantastic. It was very clean, flush toilets, running water in the sink. Oh, my clean. gosh. I mean, it's, it was perfectly fine. Yes. And the, the bathrooms, there are five individual bathrooms. So you have your own bathroom. Uh, but yeah, and the toilets are automatic flush. The sinks have automatic water that comes on. The lights come on automatically when they're motion detected. So very nice bathrooms and clean as a whistle. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've never heard you get so excited about a state park bathroom before. <laughs> well, I've never seen a state park bathroom like this one before. You could eat off the ground in there. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that. <laughs> All right. Well, you could at least sleep in there. In fact, I didn't tell you this morning, I saw a guy ride up on his bicycle and go into one of the little bathrooms and he still hasn't come out. <laughs> Yeah, he's probably taking a nap in there. <laughs> that's he, what I'm thinking. Did he take his bicycle in there with <laughs> yes, him? Yes, he okay, did. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't come out and didn't come out. And when I went into the little bathroom next to him, I could hear the water running for a really long okay, time. You, <laughs> so I think maybe he was doing a sponge bath Well, now something. he's scared because he knows there's a creepy lady <laughs> in the bathroom next to him. <laughs> you need to <laughs> not be so concerned about what's going on in the bathroom. <laughs> Just go do your business <laughs> and come back. You mean I'm not the Dead Horse Point State Park bathroom monitor? I, I so certainly you're hope you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might be spending the night in there because it did get really cold last night. And, and if he's in there for the night with his bike, you know, he would be out of the wind. He could lay down on the floor. And <laughs> Have you not learned that... You're not supposed to make friends in the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> especially men friends. Like, just, <laughs> you need to back away from the bathroom. All right. <laughs> I don't know if we said today is March 10th. Um, is that correct? Or is it March 11th? It's It still gets very cold here at night. I believe last night it was supposed to get down to, what, 26 degrees? <laughs> yeah, it it's, was below freezing this morning. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So the days are beautiful, usually, typically in March in Utah, but the nights can get cold. But it's a dry cold, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's very comfortable. That's right. Now, the other thing that the yurt does not have, it does not have a kitchen at all, and you are not allowed to cook inside the yurt. They do have a really nice gas grill out on the out on the porch. I know you were looking at that, Matt. Yeah, and I noticed that. So there's five yurts in this little uh, group here, and I noticed that the people next to us had a little camp stove. There's a little like shelf connected to the railing of the deck. They had their little camp stove out there, which is a perfect place. Yes. Uh, again, you can't cook inside, mm -hmm. but it is a nice little setup. It is. And there was even, they have a fire pit here. Now you you need to bring your own firewood. You're not allowed to collect any firewood or anything from, um, from the park, but yeah, a little fire pit. And 
and there was outdoor table and chairs. So it is a great setup. Yeah, it was a little too cool for us to do the whole fire ring thing. And I had visions of us doing that. I, I, I know you did, but uh, I had visions of us not sitting out in 43 degree weather with uh, 30 mile an hour winds and watching our fire blow across the peninsula. So we, we are going to have to save that firewood for another time. <laughs> All right. It's a deal. The other, uh, the other great thing about these is there are there are mountain biking trails and hiking trails close by. I know that you checked those out because <laughs> <laughs> you kept telling me for the last six weeks that these yurts are right on the edge of the canyon and, and uh-huh. uh, you can look over the edge. Yes, I had pictured these. I don't know why I had pictured these on the rim or close to the rim. And basically, you know, we'd watch the sunset from our yurt or and we'd watch the sunrise. Well, it's deceiving when you get here and you look out the back door because you can't really tell where the rim is. Because- oh, but you were sure where it was. <laughs> you were sure it was a five minute walk. So I set off yesterday after we checked in. I, I was going to go to the rim and take some photos. Yeah. And there's a trail. So I walked on the trail and for about maybe 10 minutes until I got to a sign that said the rim was another 0.6 miles away. <laughs> Which you then, rather than admitting that you were wrong, <laughs> when you came back, I asked you, how did it look over the edge? And you told me it was beautiful. I told you and you I, missed an amazing scene. And I asked to see the photos, <laughs> which you didn't have it. Oh, they're there. I just you haven't shown to, them to you yet. You tried to sell it to me <laughs> that you got to the rim in five minutes rather than just admit it's, it was further than you thought. Well, I tell you what, this is a place where if you have a bike, bring a bike with you because as you said, Matt, there are bike trails everywhere and I could have biked to the rim in probably five minutes, but you cannot walk to the rim within five minutes from here. (laughs) You were correct if you had a bike. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Now, this little area, this Moen Kopi, it's just these five yurts. And close by, there is a paved parking lot that is for parking if you want a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice, big, uh, new parking lot. But in this Moen Kopi area, that's the only camping. But in this state park, there's other camping, right? Yes, there are two other campgrounds. One is called Cayenta and one is Wingate. And there are four more yurts at the Wingate campground. So if you can't get one of the Mo and Kopi yurts, you could also check out the Wingate campground. And we don't know what they're like. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that they're similar. Yeah, I, I couldn't find out when these were built, um, but they do look brand new. Now, the Wingate campground was built in 2018, so it's fairly new as well. Um, I wrote this down. So we could give people the correct information. The campground has 31 campsites, 20 of which have electrical hookups for RVs. Um, And then they all have fire pits, picnic tables. The, and it says the RV sites will accommodate vehicles up to 56 feet and 
there is a dump station at the oh, entrance great. of Wingate. <laughs> Do you want to go visit the dump station, Carrie? Fortunately, Just... we have nothing to dump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should say, too, the the other campground, Cayenta, has 21 campsites. Um, let's see. They also have RV electrical hookups restrooms. Uh, it looks like it's fairly similar to the other one, except I don't believe there is a dump station there. I will have to say that whoever's taking care of this park, and I, I'm assuming it's usually the Department of Natural Resources, the state of Utah is responsible for this. They do a fantastic job. As you like to say, they run a tight ship. They run, <laughs> they run a tight ship. They're paying attention to the details. Yes. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, if you're interested in reserving a campsite or reserving a yurt, uh, you can book those on reserveamerica.com and you do need reservations. Yeah, that's an important point you made about uh, going to reserveamerica.com because a lot of places we go to and recommend you reserve on recreation.gov. Mm-hmm. And so this is a this is a different site. That's right. Sorry for all the background noise <laughs> as we record this podcast. Our our loud neighbors are I don't know what they're doing out there. It sounds like they're driving right <laughs> up to our front door, but uh, Oh, yeah, we should say that uh, because these are made of is this canvas? Is that what this is or some uh, kind of a heavy-duty plastic? Well, I think it's a, a couple layers of of canvas and kind of plasticized I mean, it's weatherproof, so it's it's more than canvas. It's nice and sturdy. However, uh, it's not soundproof. Not at all. In fact, last night we were, you know, I don't, it was around seven o'clock and we heard voices and it sounded like the people were right outside on our, our yurt, yeah, on, our on, on our deck. It, it was that Maybe loud. And then when, when I looked out the window, there was nobody out there. It was the people in the next year. Inside. I think mm. they were having a spirited game of Monopoly or something, <laughs> but it sounded like they were they were coming to visit many times. And you know what, Matt? They're yeah, probably yeah. sitting there right now listening <laughs> to <laughs> the Dear Bob and Sue podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and complain. Maybe they're doing their own podcast. And they're probably you, saying, shut up, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even if you're not a camper and you don't have any interest in camping, we would highly recommend a visit to Dead Horse State Park, especially if you're visiting Canyonlands because they're located so close. There's seven miles of hiking trails Mm -hmm. here. That's right. And you know what's so cool about it is they they all have rim views. Right. Incredible views. And there's the trail, but you can also go off the trail a little bit anywhere you want to go look at the views by the edge. Yeah, the trails here are fantastic. They are, and they're interconnected. So if you drive out to the end, to the very end of the road, there's a large parking lot there. And then you can either take the East Rim Trail or the West I can never say that. West, West, the West, the yes. West, Rim? West Rim Trail. We love the West Rim. We've done that a couple of times now. Um, views are incredible. It runs for, I want to say three miles, but I'm not sure. And of course, that's out. And then you have to hike back to your car. But it's absolutely beautiful. And we did a big chunk of that last night. We be- did. Before we had to go back to the truck and wait for the sun to go down. <laughs> we yeah, had to watch it. Yeah, we drove down to the end. It must have been around 4 o'clock. And so we did a part of the West Rim Trail. Uh, uh, and then we went back to our truck, got our happy hour supplies, and we waited for the sun to go down to see if it was going to be one of those incredible sunsets. It's funny when we got back to the truck early enough so that we wouldn't miss any of the sunset. We, we were about an hour early before the sun actually 
the official time it's set. And we're in this adjacent parking lot to the main one. And we were the only car there. I don't know. There's probably 12, 15 parking spots. And pretty soon after that, the line of cars started. And that parking lot was full quickly. It was. A lot of, uh, lot of energetic people. Some, some guy pulled up in his pickup truck who now I'm, I'm not criticizing he's he but he was about our age and he grabs a longboard out of the back of his truck as a skateboard and starts skating down the park road I know on, on his longboard and you know, I'm always torn when I see people do stuff in the park sometimes, like between criticizing them and wanting to be them. <laughs> I, I think I he thought, wanted to I be thought, this guy. Like, how stupid is that? And he was kind of like blocking traffic because he was skateboarding down. <laughs> and then I thought, why Why would you do that? And then I thought, I, I'd like to do that. <laughs> so it's, it's fun to see people out enjoying the park. A lot of families. Mm-hmm. Be careful with the kids because there are some. Yeah. So we should say if you're nervous about steep drop offs like I am, they did a fantastic job along the rim. In some sections, they have built a stone wall that's about two feet tall. But I always feel like if I stand behind the stone wall, I'm I'm safe from the from the edge. But then there are huge sections where they were not able to build a wall where the rocks jut out too far. And boy, when we were waiting for the sunset, there were people way out like like we see on in horseshoe bend yeah there were a lot of people on the edge of the rocks Mm -hmm. that where it was drop off and you know they they can do that if they want i can never look it makes my stomach do flip-flops to see those people you know taking selfies backwards on the edge and and their people had their dogs you're uh you're allowed to have dogs in uh dead horse point just not in the yards but on the trails and so people had their dogs out there one guy had his dogs he was right on the edge Mm -hmm. and he had three dogs on three leashes and i could see he was literally two feet away from a two thousand foot drop off and the leashes kept getting caught around his legs and i just Yes, like, I, I, know, I don't I want to look. see anything bad happen to no, people, but, but no. got to be careful. Right? Mm-hmm. We sound like the parents, don't we? We, we are like we the, are parents, the parents, I know, so. I know. Uh, it was a beautiful sunset, though. It's As the sun's going down, it lights up some of the um, red cliffs, some of those tall monument. It kind of looks a little bit like Monument Valley, I think. And we've learned this. Maybe maybe everyone else knows this already, and, but a lot of times the sunset I always think of taking photos of the sunset, but what we have found, especially in these parks where you have these expansive views, it's the clouds on the other side, on the east side that light up more than the clouds on the west side. So sometimes the best view is behind you. Uh And the great thing, I think we said this earlier, that you have a lot of these points, you have more than 180 degree views. So you have a lot of choices of of what to photograph. Yeah, it it was beautiful. And of course, once the sun went down and the show was over, (laughs) there was a mad dash to the cars because when the sun goes down, then the temperature drops noticeably. (laughs) Well, and if you're not camping Uh here, it's a pretty fair haul back to town. Yeah, it depends on the traffic and how fast you're going. Anyway, so it's been a really fun experience. Yeah, this is great. We would definitely do this again. Yeah. I don't know, Matt. Now I am totally spoiled with this glamping setup. I could get used to this. I know you could. 
And looking at the forecast, I have to say I'm a little concerned about sleeping outside in the snow when we go to Lake Powell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of this camping, this was your idea. So you're just going to have to strap on your big girl pants and your long underwear <laughs> because the luxury stay at the year it's going to come to an end yeah if we're gonna if we're gonna be camping in this kind of weather you know who knows what we're up, up against i have a feeling it might be one of those misadventures that that oh, typically yeah, seems be to be a misadventure i know i can tell it's a misadventure when you plan our trips I can see. that's what i'm worried about <laughs> Now for an update on our ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Due to you, we've surpassed our goal of 590, and we can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to do that for us and for all your kind words and generous comments. Yes, thank you for the reviews. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't read our Dear Bob and Sue books yet, they're packed with information and stories about our visits to public lands with a lot more details than we can cover in a podcast episode. There are three of them in the series, and you can buy the paperback, the Kindle version, or the audiobook on Amazon.com. Just search for Dear Bob and Sue. If you have a question for our monthly mailbag episode or a topic idea for a future episode, send us an email to mattandkarensmith at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash dearbobands, or on Instagram, you can find us at mattandkarensmith. For every episode, we create show notes. And those have links at the bottom that will give you more information about what we discussed. Go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com, click on the Episodes tab in the menu bar, and then click on the title for Episode 36. Our show wouldn't be possible without our producers at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon, the designers at Expert Subjects who created our cover art, and musician Will West who performs our very catchy theme music. Well, Matt, I'm afraid it's time to pack up our stuff and leave this beautiful yurt. I saw that there's a broom in the corner so you can get up those blueberry muffin crumbs oh, yeah. from the floor. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a few areas that I need to clean up before before we leave here. Since we actually said what yurt number and what date we stayed here, you know, people will know who it was that made this mess. That's all right. We better get out the, the rubber gloves. Ooh. <laughs>